and welcome to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Here with us today is Peggy Doty, and Peggy is an educator with energy, with environmental and energy stewardship. How are you doing today, Peggy? Good, Gavin. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to have you with us today. Yeah, it's exciting. So it looks like our topic today is Ernest Seton. Yes. Um, so who is Ernest T. Seton, and why are we talking about him today? You know, Ernest Thompson Seton, a man with two last names, um, he was an artist, a naturalist, an author, a humanitarian, an environmentalist, and an explorer, and founder of the Woodcraft League. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, born in 1860, this past August, he would have been 161 years old. But Seton was mostly known uh, by many as a naturalist. And since we are doing master naturalists throughout the state, I wanted to introduce him to our master naturalists and anyone listening to our podcast. Um, because when we look at his life and interests and accomplishments, I see so many of our extension master naturalists and my naturalist friends. I always start my own master naturalist trainings with the question, what is a naturalist? And there's no right or wrong answer, but I get so many different versions of what this means to them. And naturalists, it, from my perspective, are often gifted in lots of other areas, and many of them like to sketch or paint. They're story writers and tellers. Um, they're actually, there's those that are very good at detail, super um, incredible detail about any one thing, and many of those had um, jobs in, in fields that required that attention to detail. The naturalists that I know tend to have this intensive care for the planet and those who dwell here with a special interest uh, in overall humanity. They just, they love their planet and they love people and want people to have a relationship with nature. Master naturalists love to explore areas um, of interest, another Seton thing, and they don't even um, seem to want anything in return. They love the gift of nature. And for this reason, I find that Seton is the perfect example for what it means to be a naturalist and someone we should all get to know. You said being an artist was one of his talents. What did he like to create? Oh my gosh, he was amazing. So <laughs> I get excited. Seton often painted mammals and birds and he had an affection for mammals. And my personal um, education is in zoology and I studied field mammals, fur-bearing mammals. So I kind of, when I found Seton in the, when I was in my forties, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me as a guy a really long time ago. And he's someone that uh, had once said he was like the Audubon of the mammal world, but much better. And yet we focus so much on Audubon and the birds. He liked birds, but I guess his artwork on mammals was amazing. Uh, and recently, one of my own master naturalists, I'm going to throw her name out here because she's amazing, Sarah Tobias, she's up here in my area. She just posted recently this fantastic watercolor of a Cooper's hawk. And I'm like, that's it. That's what reminds me of Seton in our master naturalist today. And it reminded me of his first oil painting that was entitled the Sharpshin Hawk when he was only 16 years old. And he actually went to college and studied art and he went on to paint, draw and sketch over 4,000 different pieces that people got to see. They weren't just you know, all tucked away. Just amazing, just amazing. You also listed Mr. Seton as an author. Can you tell us, some, tell us about some of his writing? Yeah, so again, think of this eclectic thing that being a naturalist can be. And he authored over 40 books 
countless magazine articles, which I have not had, of course, the pleasure to read all of them, of course, maybe that's a retirement plan. He had one group of books that was eight. It was eight books in a series, like an encyclopedia uh, set. And he was an early field guide writer. Um, one of his articles was called The Key to Birds of Canada in 1881. Um, I personally have a thing for old field guides and I have a dear friend in my unit who um, she actually seeks them out at auctions for me. Um, and, and I love them. And the art in these old guides is priceless. And I think he was probably the creator of many things of that quality. He also wrote 42 books. Um, his first book actually, kind of a neat little trivia, was Wild Animals I Have Known in 1898. And it's never been out of print. It's published in like a dozen languages. And one of the resources stated that Kipling actually wrote to Seton that the idea for the Jungle Book came from Wild Animals I Have Known. How incredible is that? Um, and with all the publishing, uh, Seton became a very requested lecturer and used storytelling often. Um, I love to be a storyteller. Some people think I'm more of a storyteller than a presenter, actually. So I think that's another connection we as naturalists have. Uh, he even was known for his ability to mimic and call many different species of animals, which would have enlightened his audiences for sure. Um, though I feel like um, my life as a zoologist and naturalist mimics many of Seton's attributes. I absolutely, Gavin, cannot call any animal except cows. And it's, I just don't even try anymore. Um, during my apprenticeship, my boss asked if I would lead an owl outing for the public. So we drove to this deep, dark area in the land between the lakes in Kentucky with two full 12 passenger vans. So 24 guests, myself driving one, my boss driving the other. We all got out and the stars were probably the most amazing I've ever seen with zero light because land between the lakes is totally unincorporated. And so the, the, the stars were amazing. People were happy as you can imagine. And my boss said the barred owls frequent this area. So try calling one. So I tried for like five minutes straight. Everybody was silent and I got nothing. But we did hear some broken stick action uh, in the blackness in front of us. And it was a family of coyotes I called in with an owl call who just for fun, because coyotes are known in the Native American world as the jokesters of the animals. Uh, he, the whole group gave an entire howled response to my barred owl attempt at the same time. And you will never again see 24 terrified people get into two vans as fast as those did that night. And I just stood there in the dark with my head down and vowed never to call any animal again. <laughs> oh, I... I am sorry, but I uh, having a good little laugh over that story. That was <laughs> very interesting. Um, yes, I am not a, an accomplished animal caller as well, so I'm in the same boat <laughs> with you there. Um, so where does the humanitarian title come into his life? You know, he was so amazing and so intuitive, and it was in the early 1900s when he expanded his, con his conservation work and over the rest of his life gave over 6,000 lectures in North, even just a week or so before he passed away, um, and these were in North America and Europe. His message was based on Native American elder wisdom. He believed we were missing out on a large amount of knowledge by ignoring the Native American ways of living on the earth. And if we think about where we are today still, he was way ahead of his time. And he was considered a well-known advocate for Native American rights, even back then. Oh, that's, that's just amazing. What would surprise people about Seton? 
because of his, you know, Seton, I, I encourage people to look him up. It's endless. This guy went on 2000 mile canoe journeys. He signed up for a research project because he needed a hernia fixed and signed the, a paper that said, yeah, I could die, but could you try? Um, he just, it was incredible the things that he's, he's done and gone through. But one thing I think people might be surprised about because it's kind of shadowed out, but because of his interest in native ways, and he had some local hooligans in the neighborhood, a bunch of boys that were, would mess with his property. Um, so instead of getting angry, he created woodcraft. And originally it was called the Woodcraft Indians. And this was a tribe of boys, as he called it, that he decided to give some things to do and work on on the weekends and eventually even created a summer camp for these guys. And he really wanted to keep them out of trouble, but they were an audience willing to learn some traditional native ways. And Woodcraft was the forerunner um, to the Boy Scout movement. And Seton was accredited for being the model. And he was like the chair of the first committee for many of, for that for the Boy Scouts of America creation and for other nature focus groups like um, some of the YMCA's, the, the Campfire Girls, this was the model. But when Robin, uh, when Robert uh, Baden Powell joined the committee, he was a British uh, gentleman uh, and and believe a military man himself, and he often gets credited for Boy Scouts of America. And pretty much that's what they say that he is the founder. Um, and when he wanted to be more military and militant about the focus with uniforms and such, Seton just gently stepped back and went on to other endeavors and well, and was keeping woodcrafters going until the 1930s. But he really was the start. And really those first Boy Scouts were those hooligans in the neighborhood that he brought the native crafts to. Well, he, he sounds like he's such an inspiring person. I know, I know he really is. Um, so any closing thoughts to share with our listeners about Seton? You know, I think our master naturalists could do well to trust in what they know and what they love to do. And that because of Seton kind of paving this way, um, his life history is incredible and full of adventure. And a naturalist can have that too. And he had such a respect for humanity and nature. He was really a pioneer in, in our environmental movement that we know of today. Um, and our diversity and, and inclusion, he, he was there that many years ago and we're still working on it. We could really learn a lot from him. And his work continues to inspire generations. Those books aren't even out of print that he's put on the shelves. Um, and he really was ahead of his time. I always think if I could go back in time and drag one of my master naturals with me and say, can we just spend a week in your library and your collections, the things that we would see that are current today or need to still be addressed would be laying all over in those, in those old um, pages and books. Um, so I just think it's important to look back and share and find people of interest that we can use to guide our own master naturalist programs and be those good people that offer a, a diverse and inclusive environment for all learners and make whatever their passion is within that naturalist world to be part of who they are and part, part of who we wanna be as well in our extension work with Master Naturalists. Yeah, very well said, Peggy. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, and that concludes uh, this month's edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. Uh, thank you very much, Peggy, for uh, sharing uh, your knowledge here about Ernest Seton with us. Thank you. Well, thank you for giving me your time, and I hope everybody enjoys it. Well, 
Thank you, everyone. Again, that concludes uh, this month's edition. And uh, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.